Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall and is for the title of greatest podcast ever made. Introducing first, from San Diego, California, Austin Cook. And from Odessa, Texas, Caleb McLemore. And these two together make up the Internet World Order. Well, hello, everybody. That's right. We are still alive. We're okay. (laughs) It's your boys, the Internet World Order podcast. I'm Austin, as always. I'm joined by my co-host, Caleb McLemore. And we have returned from a long journey of taking a much-needed break. And (laughs) from here, we are very excited to kick off this next part of the new year. We are rejuvenated. We are revived. We are back. Today, we are exploring a movie that I'm just, I'm so astounded that it didn't do all of the money, if that makes sense. Like, rewatching this movie, I was like, how did this not just make a ton of money at the time? And I, I guess maybe because for some reason, audiences at the time weren't interested in something like this. But I, I'm, I was just caught off guard because I, I looked up all the information on it because I'd seen this movie when I was younger. I had actually watched it uh, from Blockbuster. Wow, I am I'm old. <laughs> and <laughs> that was how my introduction was, it, was to it. And I was like, this is really funny. Like, and even as I've gotten older and I rewatched it, I was like, this movie is still... Like, there's parts of it where I'm laughing out loud. And it's Meet the Robinsons. Like, mm-hmm. Caleb, this was your idea. And I'm so glad you mentioned it because I was like, I almost forgot about that movie. And I am so down to do it. And this is a great movie. But, like, Caleb, like, talk about it more and, like, your experience with it. Like, because, you know, obviously you were a little bit older than I was when you first watched it. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, give me a little bit of background on that. Sure. I mean, I was actually talking about this uh, when I was watching it uh, the other day with my wife, like the same thing you're talking about, like how this wasn't just like a monster hit. And the theory I have is that this was like kind of in a, I'm not going to say like dark era for Disney. Cause obviously they weren't struggling, but like my theory is like they were very much leaning on Pixar to basically provide all the like big animated hits mm-hmm. and they weren't really like, cause nowadays Pixar pumps, like Pixar will put stuff out and Disney will put out stuff themselves. And they kind of have this like one, two punch that, I mean, all you gotta do is look at the box office. It's working. And this was back when I don't know, like, so like, it's not so much lazy, but like, it's just like this weird era where people, I don't know if they just, because Pixar, this is back when Pixar was on their golden, like, they, there was no such thing as even like an okay hit. Everything was a monster hit. Yeah. So I think when that happens, you kind of get overshadowed. And because of the success of Pixar, Disney, I think, was struggling of like, well, what do we do to stick out that doesn't, or we don't just look like diet Pixar? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, so I just feel like that's part of what it suffered from because it's also the same era when it did like chicken little and a bunch of others that they're not bad movies. And 
I don't know. It's just, and unfortunately Disney has that mentality where if something is not like frozen level huge, mm-hmm. they pretend it never existed. And I think this might've been around. Cause I'm trying to remember. Cause I know like the reason why they have kind of abandoned 2d animations because they blame the princess and the frog not doing well in theaters on 2d animation, which is dumb. Wait, but um, that movie didn't wait. What? I thought that movie princess? was a success. Not by Disney standards. Oh, that's what okay. I'm saying. I was if like, not, didn't that movie, if it's not, make if it doesn't become like, no, no, it didn't fail. It wasn't a flop by no stretch. Mm-hmm. It just didn't. Disney has this weird standard where like, it has to become like what frozen was back when it first came out. Mm, okay. Or like what Encanto is doing yeah. currently. Yeah. It has to be that dude. Encanto yeah. is, is awesome. I, I just have to throw that out there. I not sure that movie rules. <laughs> I know. But I'm saying like Disney has this standard where like, it has to be like that mm. or it's a failure. It's the reason why like, Atlantis lost it. The, the lost empire. I adore that movie. Yeah. Disney doesn't talk about it <laughs> because yeah. it didn't just light the world on fire. And uh, I love that movie. We got robbed of a sequel from that movie. Agreed. But, um, but so like I say all that to kind of set the stage of like what meet of like kind of the, uh, I guess you say like the atmosphere of meet the Robinsons came into. Mm-hmm. And when I first watched, I, I had toured this movie from the first time I saw it just because it's goofy. It's silly, but like in a good way, like it knows, it knows what it is. I know we've said that a lot with movies we've covered, but this movie 100,000% understands what it is, what it's trying to accomplish. And it just files in all cylinders from the get go. It knows when to be funny and silly. It knows when to be sad and make you almost cry. And it also knows when to just be kind of heartwarming because it, the message this movie has, I mean, it's timeless, honestly. Yeah. So it also uh, lived through basically its own message and then came out the other side of it, kind of like almost creating a legacy where a lot of people like I don't think I've ever talked to someone who who's seen this movie who like didn't thoroughly have like a good like memory of it like everyone I've talked to whenever I mentioned meet the Robinsons they're like oh yeah that movie rules like I loved that movie and to me that's a victory like movies are not always their success is not always defined by their box office and sometimes I think that like the overall legacy of a movie will speak more to its true quality than the original theatrical run of it and True. You, you'll see that. And I think a lot of that opinion comes from the fact that I love cult movies as well. And a lot of cult movies, I was like, how did this not succeed? And then other times I'm like, oh, I get why this didn't succeed. <laughs> like, yeah, even if you still like it, you still, you, you understand. Yeah, I'll watch this and I was like, uh, yeah, no wonder. But it's not a testament to its quality. It's just that like audiences probably were not prepared for this. Like, uh, what movie was it? I'm amazed that I'm going to bring up this movie in the same context of meet the Robinsons, but, um, the thing from 1982, (laughs) which is that that's a almost, that's a breakneck whiplash. That is no, I know, but it's, it's similar in that. Like, I I think people were expecting one thing, got another and kind of just either dismissed it or didn't show up for it. 
And this movie didn't even do that badly. It was just expensive. And Mm -hmm. I think that like that was kind of its downfall is like if they were able to make this for like 60 million, I think that it probably would have done a little bit better. But also animation is expensive. And well, I also think what the CG with the computer graphics they were using the way where technology is currently, you could make this movie for far cheaper. Now you could probably make it honestly between 60 to a hundred, I think now. And if you did that and with the budget it ma- and with what it actually did make at the box office, mm-hmm. Disney would have considered this a major, a major success. And like, you know, you'd see them still bragging about it to this day, but yeah. that's just how it is. That's welcome to that's why timing is everything. But, right. um, yeah. And if you look at it too, like a lot of people will see like, oh, well, you know, it's production was 150 and it made 169. I was like, well, that doesn't include marketing, distribution mm-hmm. costs. That's and that's the worldwide total. Like the thing with a lot of studios is they're going to make most of their money based off of like domestic draw. But if it does really well worldwide, that makes a huge difference. Absolutely. And like like Aquaman, like Aquaman did really well domestically. It did even better. Uh, like international, like China, like China loves Aquaman. So China single-handedly saved the Warcraft movie. It did. You're you're right because it made like like seventy percent of its like its draw was in China, and I was yeah. like they they showed up and but they they, they didn't consider it a huge success because you know it like domestic box office receipts were not as good, which is it, it's such a bummer because I actually kind of enjoyed warcraft and it but we're i don't know why we're God, we're going a little off no i know I, well, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of a i understand but i will say what this movie is like it is one of those and, it, and i did see it pop up like because there's a whole like community on youtube and online of kind of like a uh, movie critics and it's always critics it's like just people who like to talk about movies and stuff like us but um i noticed meet the robin started sorry popping back up and I always kind of have that moment where I'm like, oh no, because it's either good or bad. <laughs> and Usually everyone good. was just like, yeah, you need to watch this. And if you haven't watched it, fix that mistake. And I was like, okay, cool. So one, good time to talk about it because everyone's kind of like, it's kind of on the consciousness. But um, two, I just, like you said, like we said earlier, this movie deserved better because like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like it just checks all the boxes, and plus, once again, we're covering another movie where Danny Elfman did the music. Which I mean, <laughs> as always, he's he just does a good job. He's great. He's Danny Elfman. Yeah. And you know, it's funny actually that you mentioned that we're coming up on the 15 year anniversary of this movie. Hey, and it worked out. It did. I, I, I didn't even think about, about that. that. I was like, yeah. I was looking at the date, and I was like, oh my gosh, 2007. Like, yeah, holy guacamole. <laughs> oh, yeah. But just, uh, I also, I'm also a sucker for anything like that Adam West is in. Mm-hmm. I even though he doesn't play like a huge part in this movie, I still love it. He, and, I, uh, I adored his role in it because as soon as I heard his voice, I immediately was just like, uh, like, I know, <laughs> I miss I, you. <laughs> same. That's how I feel because you could literally give that man to, to say anything. And he'll say it with a straight face. It's amazing. Yeah, it's his comedic timing is just honestly incredible. And yeah. oh my gosh, it was very like 
there's so many voices where I immediately recognized like who it was and just thinking about like oh my gosh like this is such like a great cast like it's kind of underrated like there's so many people showing up for this and oh yeah it, like just the talent behind it also i <laughs> i have to tell you this now because i immediately recognized the person's voice um rob thomas did uh little wonders that song that played at the end over uh you know the yeah. montage where he starts building his lab mm-hmm. and I hearken back to that conversation you and I had. <laughs> I where, thought about that too. <laughs> where I, and I started laughing super hard because I was like, if there's anything I know about white people, it's that they love Matchbox 20 and they're terrified of curses. <laughs> no, I thought about that actually ran through my head. I was trying not to laugh because like, this is an emotional scene. I can't be laughing right now. <laughs> I was laughing and slightly tearing up and I was just like, stop. Dude. <laughs> like, this movie. <laughs> oh my gosh. And like, I don't know where you hear like, you know, Tom Kenny and all that. It's like, it's just great stuff. Great stuff. It is. Um, oh, I want those caffeine patches. I want those, uh, right. Those coffee patches. I was like, put that into my veins. Like, oh my gosh. But yeah. So, uh, this story, uh, it's a story about a kid, uh, Lewis, mm-hmm. who is, I mean, I know like, I just like, you know, rip the bandaid off, but like, uh, the, the premise is very simple, if not a bit of a tear-drinker from the get-go, because Lewis was left at an orphanage orphanage uh, as a baby by his mother, which you never see, or you don't see her face. And he struggles to get adopted, because I don't know, the best way I guess to describe it is like, he's basically like Jimmy Neutron, but things go wrong instead of right. I also and, feel like, uh, is this, do we know the exact, like, date? Is it supposed to take place in 2007? I believe so, because I know I'm looking here on the wiki, and it says 2037 when they go to the future, but they never explicitly say it. Mm-hmm. I think okay. it's just, you go 30 years in the future. Okay, yeah, because I, I thought it was, like, in an earlier time period, because I was like, it's oh, it hard has that to full tell. It, and it looks, yeah, it has that uh that Tomorrowland kind of look to it, which I actually thoroughly enjoy. But yeah, I mean, which if you didn't ca- if you didn't catch the reference, they make it very clear when they go to the future, and it literally says "Today Land." Yeah, I was like, "Do you get it? Do you get it?" <laughs> <laughs> it I think the thing with Lewis, and it was so funny because I I watched it with a couple friends and uh, my girlfriend, and we were watching it, and I was like. I would have loved to adopted that kid. Like I'm genuinely right? surprised that like no one wants to adopt him. I was like, he might be a little like eccentric and very like excitable, but like you He's hardly, 12. yeah. I'm like, <laughs> all you got to do is take care of him and hang out with him and like be a good parent. Like yeah. he'll do everything else. <laughs> and take all that energy, make sure it's pointing in the right direction and you're good to go. So, right. To be fair, when his peanut butter jelly thing malfunctioned, he turned out the guy had a really bad peanut allergy. I understood that one. Yeah, like, I, I get why he was upset, but I was also like, why don't they just say, like, hey, I have a peanut allergy. Instead, they're just, like, being cryptic, and they're like, but sports! And I was like, dude, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> yeah. like if you had told him ahead of time, he would have understood. And been like, okay, this is what I made. I won't use it, but this is something cool I made. But, uh, so you see, like, as we're alluding to, he's struggling. And uh, 
I also think part of that, I agree with you. I think in real life, they would have found someone pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But also one of the big things about this movie is embracing your weirdness. And if you are eccentric, just embrace it. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to teach that lesson, you got to have them kind of struggling to be accepted. And uh, he's getting worried because he's about to be 13. And he, he just throws out that stat that's very depressing. When he just goes, you know how hard it is for teenagers to get adopted. This is literally my last chance. Yeah. Oh, it's such a and, bummer, uh, dude. It's such a bummer to I, think about that. Because I, like, I, I know people who've been through, like, the foster care system, too. And, like, who be, and have been, like, an orphan. And it's just so, like, depressing, dude. It's such, like, a harsh system. Like this movie yeah. does not fully paint the picture of how hard it is to be like an orphan. Yeah. But, uh, so he gets this idea where he realizes like in his mind, like he may not know what his mother looks like, but he has seen her when he was a baby. And I've actually heard like with, from like papers and articles that there is a theory that everything you've ever seen actually is stored in your brain. We just have, we just struggle to be able to like pull that out. Mm -hmm. So he just wants to make this invention where if you type in a certain date, you, whatever you saw will pop up on the screen because he wants to know what his mom looked like. Because if he knows what his mom looks like, he can find her. Because he's like, uh, surely she'll take me back now that like I'm older and, you know, I can like, I kind of like, it's a little subtext, but he's like, I can help out. I'm not just a baby. And, um, and so to his credit, like when that kid decides that he wants to do something, he puts his all into it. And, uh, that's when you get to meet his little, his roommate, uh, Michael Yagubian, as they all call him goob. Mm-hmm. And, uh, An like that is such, <laughs> I know I was like, whoever pulled that out of that name, a plus. And, um, <laughs> Uh, and he's funny because he's like ranting about baseball and how like he's just boy he's ready he just wants to he wants to make the game winning catch <laughs> unfortunately Lewis keeps him up all night and the only reason I mention that is because it comes into play later and uh, I did like the science fair where you got to see a little bit of everything and I also loved like when he's at the science fair uh when you first meet, uh, I forgot his name. Uh, the the guy the 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 kid that comes from the future. What's his name? I forgot. Uh, Wilbur. Wilbur, right? So when Wilbur first comes in, once you've seen the movie before, like it makes more sense. But like the way he's looking around the science fair, he's just like in shock, and everything's like freaking him out a little bit, mm-hmm. especially when he's around certain people. After you've seen the movie, you're like, oh. That's really clever, like, you know, not train the audience dumb. And if you were to rewatch a movie, you would catch that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did like it to say, like, with this being a kid's movie, obviously you kind of play on, like, one note stuff. So you have, like, the absolute unit of a gym teacher. Bro, I was just- losing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> He's amazing. I was laughing so hard when he came on screen. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what if he has like 
the largest quads in the world. And then it would it panned around and he's in short shorts and he is just like built like a freight train, dude. I was I couldn't stop laughing. I was like yeah. incredible. <laughs> I like when the kids volcano didn't work. He's like, give me 20 laps around the around the gym. Feel the pain. Love the pain. <laughs> and that poor kid's just he's still running around. <laughs> Like he hasn't given up yet, but oh my goodness, dude! <laughs> and like, and of course, you have the whole thing. Like, you have the one scary, like, goth girl, where it's like, your fire ants can bite people, only my enemies, only my enemies. And I was like, honestly, you might be the best character in this movie. I, <laughs> like, oh, because it was hilarious. How to maximize limited screen time? Make every character interesting. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was like, honestly, spin off you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. But, um, so Lewis is all excited to present his, uh, invention. And beforehand, Wilbur was trying to warn him. It's like, I'm from the future. And he like quickly flashes a tanning coupon trying to act like it's a badge. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm a space cop from the future. Don't, don't question it. Shut up. And, um, uh, basically trying to tell him there's a guy in a bowler hat that, and when Lewis has no idea what he's talking about, he's like, good. Then I was never here. Just if you see a guy like that, don't talk to him. And that's when we get introduced. Well, small introduction. Long enough to know he's very clearly the villain. Because this movie paints in broad strokes in the best way. Mm-hmm. The villain, you know he's the villain. He's an all black with a cape, a literal curly mustache. And he's sitting there like rubbing his hands, maniacally laughing to himself. So you know. Also. He's literally just Waluigi. Yeah. (laughs) Even in personality of how he blames everybody else for his problems. Immediately, the moment I saw him out loud, I was like, Waluigi. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a great character design, especially for the tone of this movie. Because I was like, it just kind of works. Like, if he's too evil or intimidating, like... He doesn't doesn't have that tragic quality to him that you discover later on or kind of like the the sort of like pity that comes with like watching him continuously fail at his plans. Yeah, basically like take take Doofenshmirtz from Phineas and Ferb where like he would always fail, but at least he could do stuff. He's legitimately smart. Take Doofenshmirtz and take away all the actual brilliance and you get the bowler hat guy. I, I love how they expanded on that, like in the future, when he's like just throwing eggs at the Robinson household, and that's like all he can do until he yeah. meets Doris. And I was just like, man, is just fighting for his life. <laughs> I was, I pulled up the toilet paper. I was on the brink of destroying the corporation. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to a couple other of those jokes later on, but <laughs> but uh, oh, the whole science yeah. fair thing fails. Yeah, because the uh, the hat, as you see, like. It's kind of sentient. Uh, well, not, it is. And it screws up his invention. Everything goes haywire. And now this is a second failure we've seen, at least on screen. And Lewis is just his, basically his entire like confidence is shattered. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm nothing but a failure. And uh, even though he literally created a, a memory scanner. Right. Out of, out of like What's what's the thing? Uh, like a colander. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of the Iron Man moment when he, the very first movie, 
when a warmonger is getting mad, the scientists going, and they're like, they're like, they want to make the arc reactor like handheld. And they're like, well, we can't. It's impossible. He's like, Tony Stark did it in a cave with scraps. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm not Tony Stark. And I was like, you know what? That's a fair answer. That's incredibly reasonable. Actually, yeah. I know, but yeah, but that's also like that's how I felt with Wilbur or like uh, with Lewis. He's just like, Kid took a bunch of scraps and made a world changing invention. And everyone was just and, like, You've ruined the science fair. And I was like, Not really. Just something went wrong. Big, yeah. Whoop. And that, and that, and of course, they're standing up for one of the other big, like, morals of this movie. And, but also, I also understand, like, when you're 12, because I remember being a kid, like, Everything in your head is on a scale of one to five is a 20. Mm-hmm. Like if you like, if your shirt is slightly like not perfectly fitted to you, you're like, Oh my God, I hate every- everyone. clearly hates me. I look so stupid. I- I- I'm going to go die now. Like you escalate things like that in your head. Yeah. So I, I understood why Lewis was just like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, and, nobody uh, likes me. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> that typical like little kid like escalation, and uh, Wilbur shows up. It's basically like you have to. You don't understand. You need to make that invention. Like the world depends on it. You have no idea. No pressure, but everyone will die if you fail. Yeah, or at the very least, as you discover, Wilbur will cease to exist, and he kind of likes existing. <laughs> right. I there were some time travel parts in this where I was like, I think the logistics of this might be a little off. But also, uh, who cares? <laughs> I know I always fall back on the time travel doesn't exist, so I'm not super stringent with the rules unless yeah. they break their own rules they establish. Then I have a problem. Right. If there's like a logic issue in terms of like just like wait, that doesn't make any sense. That's the only time. But like yeah. I've come around to it because I know we've talked about my kind of like hesitance with time travel and a lot of stuff. And then I was like, you know what? You're right. It is not real. (laughs) Yeah, My thing is, as long as whatever logic they establish, as long as they run by that, I'm good. It's when they tell you the rules and then break their own rules for no reason. Mm -hmm. That's when I'm like, okay, I'm sorry because you got me invested just to be like, to give me the middle finger can't do it mm-hmm. but um but yeah so wilbur proves to lewis by shoving him off the cliff on or off the building onto the spaceship or the time travel machine to prove to him that he wasn't lying he really is from the future and uh what if you'd forgotten where the ship was and lewis i know right I just, and then he just i just <laughs> <laughs> there's a robot chicken sketch there somewhere uh, this just caked in (laughs) like uh one of the things i love about this movie though it very much has a just go for it mentality and Mm -hmm. i love it and uh yeah this is very much like like they throw everything to see what sticks and pretty much everything to me sticks i i was pretty happy but yeah go on so they go to the future and of course uh lewis as any of us would be it's just an awe of everything he sees. Because, mm. I, I mean, it's just like you're comparing it like Tomorrowland, literally called Todayland. It's literally that. Mm. And with the aesthetics and everything, with the bright and color, everything's bright and colorful and great. 
and we have to talk about uh, i have to address this the mm, bubble transportation i know right absolutely anxiety inducing there's no I, way i would I ever <laughs> i was like i was like what happens if something like what if something pops their bubble like are they just gonna plummet to their death and scream for help like because we were watching it and I, I looked over at Alma I was like how are they like how is that even sanctioned and she's like well they're probably really hard to pop and right as she said that you see just like the little finger poke it and I was like <laughs> okay well that immediately like I was about to say like yeah you're probably right and then that happened and I was like well now I don't know <laughs> I'm just it's one like I said one, it's one of those like they just, it looks cool aesthetically so just go for it and I, I get it but yeah. um, it's also a kids movie. They're not gonna throw someone to their death from a popped bubble. Heck no, <laughs> was it Futurama? But um, <laughs> yeah, oh gosh, <laughs> Futurama does a lot of things. Oh no, I love it too. Futurama literally had suicide booths, so yeah, they oh, weren't afraid god. to go there. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, that memory's been unlocked now. <laughs> yeah, it's like they weren't afraid to go there with their <laughs> version of the future, but um, very uh, very similar to this one. <laughs> Right, but uh, different, same mentality, but done in a very different direction. But uh, so they get to the Robinsons, and well, Lewis realizes like I have a time machine, I can just go talk to my mom now. Yeah, and they get into a fight. They break the time machine, which Wilbur's all mad, oh, of course, because he's like, "There's only two in existence. One got stolen, and now the other one's broken." So. That's a problem. Do you and, have a plan to fix this? Yeah. No. And of course, and <laughs> and they make the deal of like, if Lewis fixes it, Wilbur will take him back to see his mom. And I just mentioned that because it comes into play later. Mm-hmm. And that's when they go to the where the Robinsons live. Where Lewis accidentally gets sucked into one of their little tubes, which did remind me of Futurama, of the like little travel tubes. Mm-hmm. And uh, where... Lewis just gets the crash course of meeting the family members. Yeah, you get no time to breathe. <laughs> oh my gosh, runs it to the. I, I have to be convinced. It's it, it reminded me of Labyrinth with the two guys in the plants. I didn't even think about like, that. <laughs> yeah, it's what it reminded me of. Like, ring my doorbell. No, ring my doorbell. No, no, mine's better. No, mine's better. <laughs> that was accidental. That doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was like. Oh, I, I I know this kind of bickering. I've done it. I, I <laughs> so, love how they're just like potential intruders too. Like no. yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> later on, when after Lewis meets everybody, like he is telling, he's like basically doing a roll call with Wilbur because Wilbur's like, "Who did you meet and what did you learn?" And and he remembers it, everything because I he's mean, smart. He's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, uh, "The two guys in the plants." I don't know who they're related to. It's like, neither do we go on. And like, so they're strangers. And, uh, you just get the chaos of like one of the girls that her toy trains, this giant locomotive. The other guy's just obsessed with cannons. And yeah, uh, <laughs> which I forgot about that entire, there are characters in this movie that I'd completely like forgotten about except for the grandpa. But of course, grandpa's great. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! That like every character in this has some kind of character trait or quirk that is funny or interesting, and they're all endearing. Like even just the way that they get described and introduced is all like crash course in how to properly like 
portray an interesting character on screen. Like the moment yeah. they show up, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to know what happens next with them. And yeah, especially like it's very much a if you're gonna have an ensemble cast, which this clearly does, you gotta make them all interesting. Even yeah. little things like you see, well, that's Uncle Joe, this just giant of a man sitting in a lazy boy watching TV. It's like he works out. <laughs> you're just like <laughs> I saw that and I was like. It's kind of funny, <laughs> yeah, you just like you chuckle. And of course, then you have the ones that you're just like the first thing you learn with the Robinsons is just roll with it. Because mm-hmm. you discover the guy who's married to a puppet and somehow has two children. I don't even. We're not even going to go to the logistics of how that's possible. I, yeah, especially <laughs> like when she like gets mad and leaves, and she gets in the car, and the grandpa's literally like, "Huh? Normally, she takes the Harley." Yeah. What if the puppet's sentient? The movie really hints that it might, even though you clearly see the guy like moving his mouth when he talk when she talks. Mm-hmm. But like, they kind of they do enough to where you're like, I don't know. She's like a parasite. She's just latched onto him. <laughs> it reminded me of Fairly Odd Parents, how like the kid with the boil, and you found out the boil sentient and evil. Oh gosh, dude, why are you unlocking <laughs> so many memories? That's how my brain works. I remember how that the Boyle's voice sounded too. It's like all dark and menacing. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> like no, nope. quick now. We're it's talking like, about take... Meet the Robinsons. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> but anyway, um, so like he meets everyone, and he meets the mom who has a giant jazz band of frogs, <laughs> and. As you find out later, they're basically mafia frogs, which makes it funnier. And they are literally just like probably some of the best side characters that are frogs. Yeah. Outside of Princess and the Frog. I yeah. Well, and they're not even side characters in that. They're the main characters. They're <laughs> like Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Like, like what could have just been a throwaway gag, they made it legitimately hilarious. The second best frog character in all of Disneydom. Yeah. <laughs> And um, so he meets everybody and they all immediately love him. Mm-hmm. Like they have no issues with like, oh, this kid wandered in. Cool. And yeah. there, which, uh, by the way, unbelievably welcoming to a stranger. I, <laughs> I know. Right. Which is part of what takes Lewis off guard. Cause he's kind of used to people having like, uh, I guess like hesitation with him. So mm-hmm. like seeing the total opposite of that takes him off guard. Yeah, and which I understand because you're like, yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> like, the other thing about this movie, I like just, I, yeah, the other thing about this movie I adore is, and obviously we're not going to quote everything. This is very much a another movie that's very quick. Lots of one-liners get thrown out mm-hmm. that you just kind of have to like pay. And I love the quick pace, especially between Lewis and Wilbur, because mm-hmm. Wilbur very much is like just the line and just like keep moving. Especially like in the tube, he's like, don't touch anything. It's like, well, where do I go? It comes back down, just pointing at him. No. It goes back up. That that was funny. That was <laughs> genuinely funny. There, there's a lot of genuinely funny moments in this movie. Like the I think once we kind of started getting these introductions and these like characters, because the, the movie had had funny moments. And for the most part, I was like, this is very cute. Like, this is a very cute, sweet movie. I, I really enjoy this. But, you know, it's not like laugh out loud hilarious. And like, I tend to like, I have a different approach to a lot of like animated movies or 
movies that are geared towards younger audiences because I'm not going to hold them to the same level of like pure comedy that I would something that's written for a more mature audience. And which not as fair. Yeah, which is not a bad thing because both are completely valid forms of art. It's just mm-hmm. like I know I'm not the intended audience, so I'm going to try and give it the <laughs> the benefit of um you know a, a well, different approach. Under, yeah, yeah, understanding the demographic. Right, and I think for the demographic, it's really, really good. Like, it's great movie in general, especially for its audience. But I think it really started to hit its stride once, like, Wilbur and Lewis started, like, actually going on their adventure, and we started mm-hmm. to see more of their chemistry, and then, you know, everything with the family. I was just very, like... I was very impressed with how, like, they managed to take a lot of these characters and a lot of these situations and condense them because this movie is like an hour and a half. Oh, and, yeah, it's very it moves fast. Yeah, it, it is not a long movie. And they really did a good job of kind of like giving everything its own moment to shine. And yeah. I, I appreciate that because it's hard to do. It is like oh, no, it's not easy like, hard to do. <laughs> especially like what was mentioned earlier with Adam West when you find out he and he looks like a superhero. Or basically he looks like a space ranger. And then you find out he's a pizza delivery guy. Yeah, which does he even need to do that, or does he just do it for fun? Honestly, it's probably for fun. Yeah, because no, I was like, I he hinted think they at have the money. <laughs> oh yeah, no, but as he alluded to, which he could have just been exaggerating, because as anyone who knows Adam West's career, they give him ridiculous stuff to say, and he'll just say it. And he talks about how his pizza delivery staved off a civil war later on, which. In this universe, anything's possible. I'm, I'm Honestly, willing to give the benefit of the doubt, especially to yeah. Adam West, because he's just like, I staved off a civil war with my pizza pie. Like, yeah. And you're just like, with everything else they've pelted at you, you're like, I could believe that. And, it, it's uh, the universe and the world building in this is very fun. And you can tell, like, they went really hard on the animation for this movie. Like, mm-hmm. th- there's certain scenes where you can tell that they kind of, like, remove some of the focus which is fine and every movie is going to have that to some extent it is normal but like they really like especially like the architecture and the house itself they put so much effort and detail into and then like the surrounding area like the hills and the grass and the sky you're like it's very like straightforward and plain you can and like if you're in the industry you can look at it and be like yeah they definitely like had less focus on that but it doesn't really matter because everything else you're seeing in focus is what really matters. And they do a really good job of taking all those details and putting it where your eye will want to see it and not really the background because the focus isn't on the background. The focus is on the foreground. And especially with animation, it can be difficult because you have so much like detailed animation. Hello, Ayo Miyazaki. (laughs) Where like every single frame has like an insane amount of detail put into it. Oh, yeah. I mean, and just a great example of how, like, it can kind of, like, on the surface look very simple because it is bright and colorful. Mm -hmm. But then you can tell, like, how much work went into everything. Yes. And it it looks really good. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I do like because we talk about, like, how accepting they are of him. Now I'm thinking about it. I feel like it's a great parallel to show you the very toxic relationship Bowler Hat Guy has with his hat, Doris. Yeah. Because, I mean, especially, like, even if you're a young kid, you can kind of pick up on it. But most adults, I'm assuming, like, would look at it and just be like, 
Ugh, I feel kind of bad for the guy because it's like mm-hmm. he's he's just being used and abused, which is really sad. But uh-huh. his entire story is sad, so that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Oh, the, the his scene where he tries to pass off the invention the first time. Mm-hmm. Oh my oh, gosh. god, that was painful, dude. That was, <laughs> I almost oh couldn't god. watch. <laughs> I I just loved it though because I just like just the way he bs's his way through everything, like where he's like. I am the uh, 11 o'clock. You're Mary? Yes, because it's short for Marion. Okay, sure. Is that is that He's a like, boy's yes. name? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's me. <laughs> That's funny. He's so like, he's almost endearing in a way. And I think that, because I know this movie had to do some uh, some reshoots or they, they chose to do some reshoots or some retooling. But like, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think they did like an early screening and because they were working with Pixar on this and they're like, hey, can you can you look at this and tell us how it's doing? And I I think they made, you know, like him a little bit more tragic, but also a little bit scarier just in terms of his overall appearance. And he kind of reminds me of a less lethal version of like Count Olaf. Yeah. And I think they actually gave they added Doris later in the story. Um, well, that makes sense. Yeah, great addition. Because this is what I'm looking at right here. Um, they redid sixty percent of the film, and wow, yeah, they well, that scrapped. Tells you what the bu- what, that's probably why the budget was so high. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, I was like, okay, I get it now. It's probably because this movie could have been seventy five million. And <laughs> they um, looking at it now, they redid sixty percent of it, completely scrapped that, and. They had to fix the villain. They added Doris. Um, and then they added the dinosaur and changed the ending. All great calls, honestly. I mean, yeah. So kudos to whoever gave them those notes. And It was John Lasseter. <laughs> oh, no, that makes sense. The man knows. He knows plot structure. But, it's, um, it's like, this guy's really good at his job. And they probably were like, hey, can you make sure this is perfect? And that's probably why I think I enjoyed this movie so much is because it had that touch of what I love about a lot of animated movies to it, but it felt very unique in its own way. Like I didn't get the impression it was a Pixar movie. I just thought it was Disney. And of course, yeah. It, it was very like, God, this, this movie just, I'm, yeah. my but, heart uh, yearns for a day uh, in a time where this movie gets all of the success. Agreed. But like, as we're alluding to, like, you just gotta watch the scene for yourself to watch how Bowler Hat guy just t- basically twists in pain in the wind as he awkwardly tries to present a machine he has no idea how to use. And <laughs> fails spectacularly is the only way I know how to put it. And you quickly discover that part of what also makes him sympathetic is he's not just an idiot. He's an idiot that like like they <laughs> but like he is dumb, but like when they go to the orphanage. And they run into uh, Goob, and the, Goob is like, "That scene, the anime eyes, dude." When he got all, like, he got like the the anime or like the emoji eyes, where it's like the like the, the little know. quivering eyes face. And I immediately started like, I was like, "Oh no, dude, this is so sad." Especially since I know the ending. Like, right. <laughs> no, my favorite though is like, there's a few points where this movie just like it doesn't outright tell you the moral, but like if you don't get what they're saying. Uh, then it's like you're just not listening because I'm one of the kids. It's like when Goob's just like because he has a stake over his eye because the kids beat him up for 
missing the game winning catch. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, the, the, the counselors are just telling me, hey, just let it go. It, it's okay. Things will get better. And immediately, Bowler Hike is like, no, don't let it go. Let it boil and fester inside of you. Let the hate guide you. He's like, what? And I'm just like, <laughs> I know the kid's like, what? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> I'm just like, well, there's the movie and bright neon signs going moral, moral. And- yeah, which is kind of some of the charm of a lot of animated movies. They're going to tell you what this movie is about. Yeah. Well, without straight up pausing the movie for expo- like I like when they find clever ways to do it without like pausing the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, so and he goes up and to show you like what the dynamic between Doris and Bowler High guy is. He's like, well, slip and look for clues. And they split up and you hear a lot of things breaking. He comes back and goes, I found a stick. And Doris like starts making noise. He goes, oh, yes. Yeah, so you found a time travel residue with Wilbur Robinson's DNA. That and my stick. And you're like, oh, this man is way out of his depth. Yeah, it's because they present him as like this evil, brilliant, like muhaha. And then as you learn, you're like, oh, wait, he didn't create this hat. He's not an evil genius. He's just fueled entirely by hate. Like, yes. I, I, what was it I mentioned earlier? He's like, my nutrition is rage. <laughs> Basically. Because <laughs> we find out, by the way, this you've probably seen this movie if you're here. But spoiler alert. Goob is bowler hat guy in the future. Yeah, that's just his adult form 30 years later. Right. And it, you're like, oh, wow, that was kind of extremely obvious. But <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's so like they make him out to be like this evil genius. And then you quickly learn like, oh, this man is just like he's entirely just being manipulated because like all he has one singular goal. And that goal is to ruin Lewis's life. And yep. That's just, it's not going to cut it for Doris because Doris has their own, because they're Bigger. created by Lewis, which is like, oh man, you literally have to use the failed experiments of the guy you're trying to to defeat in order to defeat him. Like, yeah. Talk about tragic, dude. <laughs> I know. It's just like, man, even, and that might have been indirect. They just need a reason to justify Doris's existence. It's like, even then, you found a way. But, they um, and they, they worked around it. But, oh, oh, the dinner scene. Yes, there she's great because Lewis once once again finds out this family's wild in every sense of the word. They had, and, I love the kung, uh, the kung fu homage. Oh my gosh, it, that's so good. That was clever. I, I thought that was really great because I, I wasn't expecting it. And I think as I got older, like because when I was a kid, it was still funny just because they're throwing food at each other, but yeah. like monologuing. And then in this, I was like, oh my God, that's brilliant. Like that's Once actually, you know the genre, yeah. yeah. Now that I've actually watched like more kung fu movies, I was like, "Oh, that's amazing!" That is oh, my favorite. Is it goes into black and white, and it goes into letterbox as soon as it starts, and it's so funny. It's and everyone's like, "Oh, here we go!" <laughs> like, uh, and the best part is Lewis is like, like looking at like Adam West's guy. He's like, "Is this how every dinner goes?" He goes, "Oh no, yesterday we had meatloaf." I don't even understand the <laughs> physics of that, but <laughs> well, I was like, but like to them, the weirdness is so like common. Mm-hmm. They don't, it doesn't even phase them. This is normal. 
I'm more and, of just uh, fighting with meatloaf. But um Yeah, I just and then there's a moment where the robot and I love the robot's character, he's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh he comes in and it it another spoiler, it's like, yeah, Lewis is obviously the dad of the Robinsons, but they make it clearer and clearer as time goes on. And uh when the robot has like the PB and J shooter and mm-hmm. it's malfunctioning. Lewis tries to fix it. Oh, and they keep a hat on him the whole time. Cause Wilbur's like, yeah, your hair's a dead giveaway. People cannot see that. And, uh, uh, he tries to fix the machine and it fails. It blows up. And Lewis is like expecting, I want to yell at him again. And then one of my favorite moments is when the family just starts cheering. And Lewis is like, what? And they're like, you failed. And they're like, from failing, once again, giant neon sign of the moral. Mm-hmm. When one of the members just goes, oh, from failure, you learn a lot. From success, not so much. Yeah. And if, you, if you're listening. succeeding, what are you going to learn from that? But failing and oh, my gosh, I was laughing. So like not laughing, but I was nodding my head along to when they're talking about like all the failed experiments and it's like all the trials and prototypes and I was mm-hmm. like dude that is the most accurate representation of science in this whole movie like you know we're not going to have flying cars or spaceships or anything right now but it is like, astounding. It takes like a thousand models <laughs> <laughs> it is astoundingly accurate how much trial and error it takes to get something right and like yeah. it, it's amazing even just from how far we've come now like how quickly yeah quickly we've advanced like as a society like just at the speed of which we did like within the last like hundred years or so is astonishing <laughs> like oh no it's true it and is almost unfathomable because it's like thousands of years of progress all in like a century yeah and to that point like because even the mom like has a toast and says a toast to lewis may your failure bring future successes mm-hmm and that's really heartwarming. Yeah, that that was really sweet. I I really enjoyed that part of the movie because, like, even though it's obvious what this movie's going to be about, like, it's nice that you know they can spell it out for people, especially for kids, like, to hear that out loud, like, because you need not, to hear yeah, it. Yeah, kids aren't expected to be like understanding the subtle intricacies and nuances of a of a very complexly layered script about life and drama and parenthood and like they're kids dude they just want to be entertained and with this like it's not insulting to spell it out sometimes people need to hear that you know absolutely no heck as an adult i need to hear that sometimes i yeah no hearing that i was like oh my gosh that actually made me feel much better (laughs) i yeah exactly and like uh there was a moment because i love when they came to the when boulder hat guy and doors came to the future because they realized oh how about we just kill the like capture Lewis so that way they can know how the machine works. And you find out Doris does not play games. Dude, Doris was just trying to murder them. I was like, oh yeah. my God. Like <laughs> Doris is like chose violence. But Doris is basically Skynet, so it makes sense. And I immediately thought of uh that scene from from Hot Rod. Like you, yes. know, you know when he won't be smiling? When I murder him. <laughs> It literally is that, but um, <laughs> there's a moment and I love like they're in the ship because Bo- uh, Boulder Hat guy wants to help and Doris like no they'll see you 
and like she pops out a tiny Doris, and he's like, I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 whoa. <laughs> and uh, he tries to he he mind controls the frog, one of the, the lead frog, and he's like, go capture Lewis. I just have the moments like, there's a lot of people, and I have little arms. I just don't think you thought this plan through very well. And you just, it pans back to Bowler Hat Guy or Goob, and he's just like, you see his heart just breaking. Dude, <laughs> I was laughing so hard. <laughs> so when, he, when he's like, the sassy mind-controlled servants is something I never thought I would <gasps> see in a movie. And they did it so well here. It's like, capture him, and it's like, but... But what about the logistics? Like, I am a small frog. I just don't know how well this plan was thought through. I just, like, it's like, you just see his, like, his heart breaking. He's like, master? Yeah. <laughs> master? <laughs> like, he still calls him master, but won't do what's asked of him because he's like, yeah, this is stupid. <laughs> they have, like, a small semblance of, like, of consciousness. And then, like, and he lets him go, and he's like, you're going to pay for this. No one makes a fool out of me. Which comes back into play in like 10 minutes. Because then he tries, he mind controls a dinosaur. Which, in theory, is cool, but is in no way, shape, or form tactical. It's almost <laughs> like he still thinks like a child. Who would have thought? But <laughs> the way but that, that he... Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the way they voiced the dinosaur, I couldn't breathe. Because <laughs> I was like, that is exactly what I imagined this dinosaur would talk like. And he's like, my master, my head is so big and my arms are so short. I just don't know how well this plan was thought through. <laughs> Why oh my have gosh. you forsaken me? <laughs> Dude, the best part is when you learn with the dinosaur fight, because he's trying to, because he almost eats Wilbur, and the Bowler Hat's like, no, 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 capture, not kill. And, yeah, I was like, oh my uh, gosh. There, there was a couple points in this movie where I was just like, that is very close to full-blown murder. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to and, a couple uh, other parts, but I was like, Ugh! And, uh, dude, you find out this family is ride or die. Because as soon as that dino shows up, they're like, we're going to beat up this dinosaur. <laughs> they just pulled out every weapon they possibly had on hand like they lived in Texas. They're just like, we're going down with you. <laughs> just like, oh my gosh. I was like, well, I, I feel very, I would feel very secure with this family. And, uh, of course, you know, they succeed because when uh, Wilbur sees the hat, he shoots it off and the dinosaur is like basically just like in a daze mm -hmm. and just kind of falls over knocked out. And then one of my favorite parts is when the little mini hat falls, the frogs find it and they go full godfather on it. Sleeping with the fishes. <laughs> Just toss it in the trunk, dude. I was like, oh my god, they're doing the Tarantino scene where they're like looking I, into the trunk. <laughs> I know. It's so fun. I was like, what a reference I was not expecting in a kid's movie. But, uh... <sighs> I they throw that in there for the adults because the kids will laugh, but the adults will know. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, the best part is, well, like Lewis is like, because the family is beaten up because I mean it's a it's still a T Rex, so it was a fight. Yeah, and and they're like, all y'all sacrificed so much for me, and they're like, 
it's what you do. You help people. And like, even like the mom's like bruised up and she's like, oh, it will heal. It's fine. And uh, I thought the sausage cannon guy was going to get eaten during this whole thing. Same. I was like, they're going to straight up murder this man. <laughs> there, there's several points where I was like, are we going to see blood? <laughs> like, this is horrible. <laughs> I know. But um, <laughs> thankfully, no, this movie is PG. <laughs> yeah. And they, but the Wilbur actually left out, uh, told him how, like, you know, Lewis is an orphan. So they offer to adopt him. Say, hey, just be a Robinson. Like, you're fine. And that's when Wilbur hits the hat off. So they see the hair and they're immediately like, oh no. Ew. You orphan. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Word for word. um, That's what they said. Oh no. An orphan. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that's when they just like, of course, the mom was just like, looks at Wilbur. What did you do? How bad have you screwed up? And, Yes, the answer. Yeah, is basically. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and that's when they. Oh, it's heartbreaking because Lewis obviously has no idea what's happening, and so he just went from being told, "Hey, I have a family," to now I can't. So he is emotionally going on a roller coaster, and the mom is trying not to cry, mm-hmm. and she's like, "I can't. We can't take you. I'm sorry. You have to go back to your time. It's going to be weird." <laughs> yeah, I was like. It's talking about logistical issues. Like, but, um, yeah. And then like, uh, that's when Wilbur actually, you know, tells him that he lied to Lewis to get him to repair the time machine, which leaves, well, you know, a nice mom line of you're grounded until you die. I was like, that's a mom line. Yeah. That is, I was like, that is an actual quote. (laughs) <laughs> they didn't have to write that they're just like this yeah <laughs> yeah um my course uh lewis like runs off he's like i said going through a whole roller coaster of like happy sad betrayed so just like uh that's when boulder hat guy captures him well lies to him and then captures him mm-hmm. and gets him to tell him how to work the machine the mind scanner and that's when you get the big reveal about how Boulder Hat guy is goob. And of course, and my favorite is it's like, well, if you're from the future and I'm from, then that means he's like, yes, if you're from the future, like, we've already established that. Go on. <laughs> yes. yes we're aware. <laughs> <laughs> That's when he pieces together. Like he's Wilbur's dad. And, uh, that's where you get the whole tragic story of goob. Which is tragic, but it's also funny. Because you have that moment where he's walking through school and all the kids are like, hey, you want to hang out? And like, you're awesome. They all hated me. I would, I'm so glad that you said that because that, that was one of my favorite lines from the whole movie. Was just, <laughs> yeah, like all the kids love him. And he's just like, they hated me. Yeah, like you got beat up once, but like the fact of the reality is, is like you were still actually pretty popular. <laughs> like, yeah, the kid, like something about your personality, like you clearly had a charming personality. But right. Like, and he was cool before the whole um like before the whole incident too. Like the whole time yeah. I was like this kid is adorable. Like I agree. How has he not been adopted? <laughs> but like uh and of course and it shows you like talk about how like bitterness and hatred can just it really all it does not to go on a soapbox, but all hatred and bitterness really does is just ruin your own life. Yeah. Nobody else is just yours. And goo perfect perfectly 
shows that because it shows like he was so mad about the baseball game. It ruined every interview he had to get adopted because he would just start ranting and raving like a lunatic, which is so funny because the interview he was scheduled to have that day was the ones who were going to adopt him. Oh yeah. And like, and it shows him like at the orphanage after they close it down, he's like just laying in his bed and everything's getting more decrepit and green for some reason. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> uh, and it shows like he never got out of his baseball uniform. He's literally still wearing it as a grown Waluigi adult. And, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> he goes from being so short to just tall, lanky man. <laughs> uh, he's like six five. <laughs> I was like puberty hit him like a truck, and uh, uh, and he just listened to him guy, on the radio. As you listen on, yeah, and as you listen on the radio, like Lewis, like his life is going great. Mm-hmm. He's inventing and do, and then he goes, "I realized something. If I if you didn't keep me up all night." None of this other bastard would have happened. This is all your fault. And, and of course, Lewis starts slowing out like, well, do you not get the logistical problems that can happen if you ruin my future? I don't care. I don't care about the future. I just want to ruin yours. And one of my favorite parts of just like, I feel like obviously it's for the kids, but also a line for the adults. When Lewis is like, well, yeah, you had a bad day, but you can't hold me responsible for like your entire life. And, Goob is like, hmm, take responsibility for my own actions or blame you for everything. I know which one I'm picking. Easy way out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, uh, while that's obviously for the kids, I'm like, I know plenty of adults that need to hear that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've all been there. But, uh, yeah, so now with knowing how to work the machine, uh, Baller Goob goes and passes it off as his and they start making all these new machines because the company wants to know like hey what other inventions do you have and starts showing them you find out about the hat that Doris was made by Lewis and it's supposed to be like a self-serving like basically like a helper mm-hmm. but then apparently somewhere along the way accidentally made Skynet because it kind of wants to take it wants to take over the world right and uh, of course he shut it down but then it broke out. And then when he realized, when Doris realized how dumb uh, Goob is, and that Goob is, has such like blood rage towards the Robinsons, Doris is like, oh, but you won't question me. And basically, you're a useful idiot. Let's go. And, uh, and when he starts passing off everything, like obviously like the skies are going dark. And you have a, like, to me, I mean, I remember when I saw this, in, like, I was, I was like in high school, but like, a moment I'm like, oh, the tone of this movie is taking a shift. Yeah. It was when you see Wilbur fate from existence. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, 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 my gosh. <laughs> I know. I was like, like, this tone has shifted quick. And <laughs> this is a different movie now. Yeah. It goes full matrix of, you basically find out what the bad ending looks like. And with Doris like ruling because they basically and I thought it was really cool because like uh, Lewis is still in the garage of the house mm-hmm. and so there's a mind scanner there and so it started showing a nice little exposition dump to show like what happened and that Doris convinced them to make basically an assembly line of other hats mm-hmm. and the hats just took over everybody they touched it was very much a 
I mean, I guess video games like Metroid or like, you know, the Starro method, essentially. Yeah, of that's the, take the accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Starro method. But um, uh, and there's that really sad moment where Goob's looking around going, I didn't want this. I wanted to destroy a kid's future. I didn't want to destroy the world. And then he gets straight up murdered. Yeah. I was like, oh, this movie is G. Barely. <laughs> Barely. But, uh, and like I said, I, I compared it to the Matrix, because, like, then the world that they show, the future now is, like, all bleak and just, like, very dystopian of, like, workers everywhere. Everything is dark and covered in soot. And Lewis, of course, and I give him some credit. He is only 12, so he's, he, he's getting hit with a lot of information. And, like, the family that he now knows is his they're all controlled by hats. He's trying to get away from them because they're trying to kill him. And which I'm like, well, that's traumatizing. <laughs> Good times all around. <laughs> I know. But then there's a moment where he uh, goes back to the past. When uh, Goob signed the contract for the hat and just tells him, Hey, don't do this. You're being used. And once again, Doris chose violence. As the moment he's like, oh, you're being used. Doris doesn't try to talk him out of it. Doris and me is like, I'm going to murder this child. Like, that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> and Lewis, I love the moment he had where he just goes, I am never going to invent you. And Doris just disappears. I was like, I might be one of the smarter uses of time travel I've ever seen. That was incredibly convenient, too. I hate to say it. Not that it matters, but like, I was just like, huh. That was pretty yeah. easy. <laughs> That's why I get him crap. Like he is 12. He didn't piece that together just yet. Cause he was having so much information thrown out of him. Yeah. I I'm willing to be like, Oh, this could have ended a lot earlier, but also this is a literal child we're talking about here. Yeah. He didn't know that he was the inventor. He didn't know. But once he knew all that, he was like, Oh wait, I can fix this. And so everything goes back to normal. Uh, and you have a really nice, wholesome moment. Well, one funny because when Wilbur first shows up because he doesn't know yet, he just starts wailing on Goob. <laughs> that's I forgot about how funny that was when I was a kid, and it's still <laughs> funny now. But like, oh my god, I was just like, oh, <laughs> like, he just, just straight up Muay Thai need him, dude, and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I know that was great, and like, I love the little like loud whispering, very much a. Lewis very much, you can already tell there's the dad part in him. That very loud whisper when you're trying to tell your kid what they're going to do and like it. The equivalent of, look at your father, boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's look much like, at I am your, your father, father you. boy. <laughs> it's very much like, I am your dad. You will do as I say. I'm like, oh, you just pulled rank. How dare you? He did. And, he, uh, he needed to. And then it, like, I was just like, this is, this is cute. This, I knew then, he wasn't going to get adopted, but this is still cute. Yeah, it was really cool to show because he's like, and he's like, hey, how do you want? Do you want to be a Robinson? And Goob is gone. Mm-hmm. And his little, my little pony uh, notebook with his checklist. And uh, he had a new like box and it just had a question mark. And I was like, oh, that's wholesome. Because like now that basically his entire worldview has been thrown upside down and shattered. So he's like, what do now? Yeah, basically, he's a sitting there going, I kind of need to figure out my life. Yeah. And, what do you do now that you've kind of 
been responsible for ruining everything in existence unintentionally, of course. Of course, but like also realizing that, oh, this is what, you know, being consumed by hatred does to you. I need to fix that. And then, of course, you had the big moment that we all knew was going to happen at some point where Lewis meets his future self, voiced by Tom Selleck. The best, dude, the best long-running joke in the whole thing. Like, the amount of payoff. (laughs) It's so good. Oh, man. Oh, gosh, that was... That was fun. I was like, they really got Tom Selleck to show up and voice him. And I was like, I respect that. I (laughs) it just it it reminds me very much of like shows like Freakazoid where they make these like weird, like very specific jokes. mm -hmm. And the writers later on were like, yeah, that was for us. Yeah, that that (laughs) wasn't for you to laugh at. We were just laughing while we were making that. (laughs) And if you enjoyed it, too, even better. And uh, if you catch it, it's a fun little Easter egg. But, um, yeah, of course, they have a the big moment where he shows them, like, basically, here's your future. And the thing I did like, too, is Lewis is like, so is this guaranteed? And he goes, no, you still got to make all the right choices. So that's on you. And he goes, well, the future's never guaranteed. So you still got to, you know, be smart. And, uh, and it's a cool moment where he showed him, like, how much he loved the the mind scanner because it literally starts off everything mm-hmm. and of course a moment where my wife kind of nudged me uh, before they get into the machine they go into time machine and the mom like grabs Lewis and she goes hey just so you know I am always right even when I'm wrong I am right my wife started nudging me I'm like yeah yeah you can hear me <laughs> I hope you can hear me laughing <laughs> <laughs> it's like the moment when she said that she nudged you I was like I know what scene this is about <laughs> yeah. I was like yeah yeah yeah, yeah shut up <laughs> <laughs> and even like older like Lewis is like she's right I would just go with it <laughs> like so you uh, have learned <laughs> but um, and you think I'm going to go back to the science fair but this movie is like no no we have made you laugh we have borderline scared you as much as you can in a G-rated movie. Now it's time to make you cry. Yeah, and I did tear <laughs> up during this. I have no shame in admitting that. Me neither, because Wilbur, to his credit, he kept his word. He said, yeah. you fixed the machine, so I'm going to take you back to your mom. And they went back to the opening scene of the movie when she was leaving him at the or- uh, orphanage. And Wilbur's about to reach out and like, touch your shoulder and then he changes his mind and of course and then he slips and you realize that's when you saw that earlier so it's a nice little like showing how it's all circular yeah uh, and of course and Wilbur's just confused he's like why would you not do that like the, the whole reason we're here and Lewis is just like well because I already have a family I would have missed out on this whole life that I'd always dreamed of by changing yeah. everything, you know? And that's what he realized. It's like, yeah, I goes, if she didn't do that, I wouldn't have all of this. So it clearly worked out. And like, so that's the part where I'm just like, okay, I'm good. I can still hold it. <laughs> oh God. It was, um, th- there's a lot of great visual storytelling in this movie too. I, I, I know that we've kind of been giving you a plot rundown. 
but the coming up in this scene too, like when uh he wakes up Goob, which that was really cool. That was really sweet because he's like, let's. It was a nice way of like, let's tie up all the bows. Yeah, because he he kind of had done Goob dirty up to that point, and that small thing, you know, righted all those wrongs. And mm-hmm. the scene where they're uh, he's like, can I try again on my science project? And they're like. Okay. All right. Well, I'll risk yeah. my life for you. <laughs> they they like, created no, like, that bunker. Just wordlessly, <laughs> they're all hiding behind that bunker. I was like, that's hilarious. Like that's great visual storytelling. <laughs> yep. The way that they like, and they didn't spell everything out for you either, but it became obvious at that point. And yeah. you know, they had the whole scene with the memory scanners, and you know, her having her wedding. I was like, bro, I'm about to be in tears. Like, I never fully understood why parents sometimes cried during Disney movies like the one exception being like when my brother was going off to college and we saw Toy Story 3 oh man uh, uh, <laughs> like yeah, those are the most fair. justified tears <laughs> and I um, like when I was watching this and I saw that and then like that moment of realization that everything had been right in front of him the whole time and I was just like okay yep all right yep okay and then goob seeing his fit like his adoptive family i was like bro yeah goob's (laughs) now getting adopted he has a trophy like you see lewis get uh adopted by the two best parents possible for for an eccentric kid like him literally just versions of him like (laughs) yeah like just as weird just as off the wall as he is they literally buy an old observatory Give him the top room being like, this is yours to fill. Do what you want. Talk about hitting the jackpot, dude. <laughs> I know, right? Kind of gets like the Hey Arnold room with like the great view and everything. Oh my gosh, you're right. I never even thought about that. I, and, uh, uh, he and slowly like, builds his empire while Rob Thomas yeah. leads him off <laughs> into the future. Because Matchbox course, 20 is the future. Yes. I love, yes. I love Matchbox 20. I don't care what anyone thinks. <laughs> No, I know. And of course, and the big thing I mentioned too is the motto they kept saying in this movie is keep moving forward. Mm. And of course, Lewis is like, why? It's because they're like, no matter what happens, you got to keep moving forward. There is no stopping. The train has no brakes. And I don't know. Like that's, that's what I love about this movie. This movie is very much a do not, you are not defined by failure. And failure is going to happen. You just have to accept that. Mm-hmm. What you do have control over is what you do with that failure. Do you kind of do like what Goob did and let it ruin your life as you become bitter and hateful? Or do you do what Lewis uh, ends up doing? And that is learning from it, improving yourself, and keep moving forward. And I love that. Yeah. It's a very genuine and sweet message. And yeah, no, Caleb, I'm so glad you recommended this movie. Dude. <laughs> I was, yeah. I, there's so many great characters, like even the robot, like they, Disney has a good track record of making good robot characters. The other one I I'm thinking of immediately is a uh, Alan Tudyk's robot from rogue one. Whatever you guys think yeah. of rogue one, that robot is amazing. Oh, he's and the best part it. of the movie. <laughs> and I immediately thought of him. Also, the way that they murdered that robot in this movie, I was oh my so god, shocked. I know. I was just like, oh, like <laughs> they got away with that. But 
<laughs> that's just a small tangent. I was like, I forgot about that. That was so gnarly. <laughs> like they straight oh, up know, just like bursted him. <laughs> I know. I was like, dude, Doris does not play. She goes straight for the throat. <laughs> it's like, good lord. But the fun thing about this movie, like I know we've talked about how it deserves better. Absolutely does. But I am so glad. Like one of the benefits of streaming is that we will have easy access a lot of times to movies that maybe didn't do well the first time. And yes. streaming will sometimes give them that second chance. And they'll have a shot at revitalization. And I think that Meet the Robinsons has had kind of a resurgence, especially among people my age, because we you know kind of grew up in that movie, but it was sandwiched in between a lot of big releases. And it's it sort of just, you know it now can live on with the fact that it's you know on Disney Plus it's available for purchase and rent and if people want to watch it it's much more readily available than it would have been normally and mm -hmm. it it has a much more positive legacy because you know the people who did see it were all talking like it got good word of mouth it oh just, yeah you know it just didn't work out and now people get to see it and kind of appreciate it and you know it's timeless message and how fun it is and wholesome it is to watch. And I'm just, I'm glad that it has that because it's such a fun watch and it's also very heartfelt and it's sweet. Caleb, yeah. is there anything else that you want to add to it? I mean, I'm just to your point of like, just, I would say give this movie a watch. It's very much a, uh, I mean, <laughs> I know it's kind of the joke of like, I will pick out like the heartwarming movies and stuff, but it's like, because not everything has to freaking like give you an existential crisis. Some things just make it feel good at the end, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and that's why I'm glad to see it's getting more love, especially because, like you said, now that people talk about it, it's not like it used to be where, like, AVGN, when you would talk about like an obscure game, and even nowadays might still be very hard to actually get a hold of. Mm -hmm. Thanks to streaming people can talk about a movie like this that maybe kind of fell through the cracks a little bit and thanks to streaming, you can watch it mm -hmm. and see it for yourself. And uh, yeah, like I said, just uh, as I started earlier, it's like, it has a phenomenal message that part of what makes it timeless is that it doesn't just work for kids. It's one of those things that like, even as an adult, it's kind of like, I needed to hear that. Mm -hmm. And so I would suggest, I don't care what your age is. I mean, obviously, if you got kids or young siblings or whatever, this is a perfect thing to throw on. If you're just like an adult by yourself or whatever, just a great thing to throw on and just enjoy. And yeah, I'm just... Anytime I can help pay it forward to good stuff like this, I will always be happy to, and I'm glad we were able to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, this is... a. Uh... It's almost funny because it's like it's a great example of like in some aspect, maybe this movie did fail, but they kept moving forward. And mm -hmm. now it, you know, is now it's more of a success to me because I, I think that it told a wonderful story. And mm -hmm. that's kind of ironic and funny. And I appreciate that. I love that. Great movie. You can watch it with your kids. Uh, you can watch it even if, you know, you're just my age. You can watch it with anyone you want to your friends like you know it's not a bro night movie or if you want to watch an action movie <laughs> but yeah, <fair. laughs> that that that's beside the point if you're here listening to an episode about meet the robinsons i doubt you care 
And <laughs> this is, yeah, it's a fun watch. You guys know, you know what I have to say about it. So after that heartfelt, warm, genuine episode, next week we're going to watch The Thing. And <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel that neck snapping from the whiplash? <laughs> so i'm kidding i actually you'll see what we'll talk about next week but guys as always we appreciate you showing up and you know thank you for kind of bearing with us through this short break that we had you know caleb was you know only going through a major life event of getting married (laughs) and i was only going through a major life event of being exhausted so (laughs) it worked out in our favor but we love doing this we're excited to be back and I was getting ready to watch Meet the Robinsons and I was just like, oh gosh, I can't wait. Like, this is going to be so much fun. So thank you guys for being wonderful listeners. We appreciate you. If you have any requests or opinions, we do have access to the Instagram account again. We're sorry if, you know, we've missed any of your messages or anything or if you can't get a hold of us, but we're here, we're ready, and we're excited because we love doing this. So remember, we are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Breaker. We are on your web browser. We're on Anchor. We're everywhere. You can't hide from us. And please keep enjoying these wonderful works of art that we enjoy. Keep loving what you do. And guys, keep moving forward. I'm Austin Cook. And I'm Caleb McLemore. We are the Internet World Order. We will see you guys soon. See you guys. <laughs>